This is a Grand Slamming Padres podcast featuring Dom DeRosa to talk about your San Diego Padres. We are back, Padres Nation, and I can gladly say that I have myself my very first guest on this podcast itself, James Clark. Welcome to the Grand Slamming Padres podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Dominic. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, my pleasure to be here. It's always fun to uh, talk about Padre baseball. Yeah, it's great. Now, before we get into it, of course, I want to give you a shout out and just tell everyone about yourself and your brand and what you do for the uh, San Diego Padres fan base. Okay. Uh, East Village Times uh, is a site that I created. Uh, this is our seventh year covering the Padres. Uh, we cover San Diego sports, uh, do some stuff for soccer, uh, the uh, San Diego State Aztecs, uh, a couple other um, sporting teams here in San Diego. Um, but our passion and what we, our, our bread and butter is San Diego Padres. Um, I was credentialed by the team at one point, uh, 2017-18, uh, well actually 2018-19 and uh, last year, 2020, I was credentialed by the team. Uh, this year has been hectic with COVID and all this stuff, so I haven't uh, actually gone out to the ballpark and in, in the clubhouse. Uh, well, actually nobody has. It, it's uh, mm restricted but um we adjusted uh we cover the minor leagues extensively we've had some writers uh in uh, we've had writers in amarillo before when they had uh, a team there the sod poodles uh we have a guy in fort wayne we have a couple guys in texas that cover the team out there so um we uh we try to do a good job covering the the, the system and uh we've um we've been very lucky yeah james that's actually cool i learned something new now uh, when you dm me i checked out your stuff just like you did me uh, on my Twitter. And that's cool. I mean, the fact that you have a team and a crew that go out to those specific places for the minor leagues, especially, uh, I wish I had the uh, opportunity to have people like that too, but it's awesome. I read your stuff, of course, and your podcast, everything about it is just, it's great on to the point um, and great work, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. It's been a, it truly is a labor of love. Um, you know, we do this just cause we love the team and, and, uh, right like we love covering them um in in recent years i've uh kind of dedicated uh our site and our writing to a lot of young journalists we have a lot of young writers at uh asu school of Cron uh journal school of concrete and Jur journalism concrete oh my gosh uh walter cronkite school of journalism in asu uh we got a couple other guys that went to northwestern uh um, journalism as well so we're, we're trying to branch out to young writers giving them an opportunity to have a place to put their work out and uh, be edited and be seen basically yeah that's great and we're gonna get into it uh, i missed a couple of series but that's for the best part there's more to talk about uh, i've been pretty busy lately and i'm glad that you get to hop on and for everyone else out there all it takes is a direct message or anything like that to come on to this podcast it's easy as one two three so the way james did it gave me a nice compliment and i said hey man uh, you're more than welcome to come on and talk padres baseball so get the opportunity that he did as well you're more than free and more than welcome to but we do have to talk about the arizona diamondback series that was on the road the houston astros at home and then a two-game set again against the uh los angeles angels of anaheim still like to call them that because uh, it's going to be a tough road ahead. It's going to be all playoff hopefuls or contenders in, in the end. Uh, and San Diego is just trying to hold on to the uh, wild card spot 
on the road, depending on if they face the L.A. Dodgers, put a little asterisk on top of that, or the uh, San Francisco Giants, who all of a sudden are 40 games up. Um, so there definitely is a lot to talk about now. For the Padres, it's just a frustrating season, James. Um, I'll get into my take first. I just think that Jace Tingler, I, don't, I wasn't a heavy favorite of him when they hired him. Um, I gave him a chance, however. Of course, in 2020, we exceeded expectations, everything like that. But just I feel like San Diego's second half of this season is just so much different because I was actually um, doing a little stat line, and I was just curious because it feels like the Padres' base running aggressiveness has really slowed down, even though we have so much speed and uh, awareness on the team. And I actually went through the game logs for the Padres – and when the Padres don't steal a base, they're 36 and 41 in those games this season. Uh, I just don't know what changed Jace Tingler's mind to be less aggressive on the base pads. Do you think this is just hurting the team overall with their offense and everything like that? Uh, you know, the team has gone stog- stagnant on the base pass. I, I mentioned that in, in our podcast the last couple of times. Um, I don't know if that's a direct result to Tatis's shoulder injury and not wanting to push him out there and, and, and have him aggressive on the base pass. The last injury that he did have to the shoulder was uh, at third base on a stolen a base attempt. Um, Fam hasn't really been stealing. Uh, Grisham hasn't really been stealing. So it's kind of trickled down to everyone. Um, but I do agree with you. Early in the year, they were putting pressure on teams. They were very aggressive on the bases, take, going first to third, going second home, uh, and just putting pressure on, on, on teams. And that, that really is effective when you get up on them and you put the pressure on them, you make them make the throw, they have to make the tag They have, you know, there's a lot of uh, variables in order to throw someone out. And um, I, I don't know, it's hard to put that solely on Jace Tingler, but he is the manager of the team. He does dictate when they do hit and runs, when they do straight steal, stuff like that. So um, it is concerning. And, you know, your stat 36 and 41 when they haven't stolen a base is, is just, you know, it speaks volumes. Yeah, I just feel like it's not a way to get into baseball. I liked seeing the old school Friars go out there and do those kind of things. They were even bunting during times yes. when they going against the shift, right? And it was just spectacular to see. You get guys in scoring position early. You waste no time. And another thing that just frustrates me with Tingler itself is the way this team plays below 500 teams. We all thought, I mean, the Giants, I personally think, are uh, putting the needle somewhere when it comes down to this season. It is a little strange, but maybe it's just a Cinderella story kind of season for them. But we all thought it was going to be L.A. and San Diego clashing in that NL West. But the Padres, 74 and 65 as we speak, they are 37 and 35 against teams below 500. Do you think that? Tingler just has a lack of enthusiasm for the team going into those kind of games. You know, I I hate to put it solely on him, but you know, it's tough. The the players have to get up for playing lower competition teams. They have to, just like they got, they get so riled up to play the Dodgers and those games are so, uh, you know, back and forth. You you need to do the same thing when you play the Diamondbacks, you got to get up, you got to take care of business. You got to, you got to put your best foot forward and they're just not doing that. So uh, a lot of it does fall on Jace Tingler. I, I know a leadership inside the clubhouse has been an issue of recent. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. You know, in years past, I was in the clubhouse, so could, could kind of get an idea of what was going on. Uh, this year, I, I haven't been, and, and no, nobody has been. So it's kind of a mystery 
to what is going on uh, chemistry-wise with this team because they just don't seem like they're having fun like they were early in the year. They just it's like a chore. It's it just it's concerning because this team had the feel in the beginning of the year like there was something special going on, and and at this point it just feels like they're going through the motions and just waiting for the season to end. Sadly. Yeah, it, it is tough. And another question I like to ask you before we get into some recaps of the series, actually, because this just came out of the blue, the team is lacking the fun that they've had. You know, we've seen the swag chain, we've seen the dance moves, the smiles, uh, Petco Park going crazy uh, ever since the fans have been back in. Do you think, I understand he had a 97 mile per hour throw, his first outfield assist uh, in the majors, but do you think Tatis being in the outfield has just impacted and just really taken the excitement out of the uh, ball club itself. Yeah, it most certainly has. You know, he just doesn't seem like he has the same uh, intensity out on the field when he's playing defense. Um, you know, I'm, I've am i played baseball my whole life. I'm an outfielder. I understand that it's, it's pretty boring out there from time to time. And it's quite different than playing the infield because I've played some shortstop before in my life as well. You're in every play, you're in every pitch at shortstop. In the outfield, it's very easy to, to, to get kind of lost and, and stare out at the crowd and kind of just kind of lose concentration. And, and I think that that's happening to him at this point. Um, I, I believe he's frustrated. Uh, I think the Adam Frazier trade that Preller did mm. kind of messed with the dynamics of the lineup and the team. Um, I'm, I'm actually pretty angry that uh, Trent Grisham isn't starting every day. I think that that's somebody who needs to be in the lineup every day, uh, regardless of left-handed or right-handed pitching. But uh, again, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what the issue is. And it's in, as a fan, you don't necessarily know the dynamics, what's going on uh, inside the clubhouse who's banged up, who doesn't, you know, it's just hard to, to, to know those things. And you have to put your, your, your faith on, on, on Tingler. And at this point, uh, the, the Padres are falling on their face and it's, it's definitely concerning uh, to, to say the least. It, it is. I like the point you made with Grisham, especially he's a gold glover. He, he's a phenomenal outfielder. He deserves to be in center. I even think he's just that, hard school, like, like hard gritty kind of player, you know, no batting gloves just goes out there. He's a lefty. You can't go wrong with that. I think. And he just puts up good numbers. He just does his part. Um, and it is frustrating. Adam Frazier did have a big game just recently, which was very necessary for his sake. Um, but it hasn't been the same Adam Frazier that we were hoping for. I personally, I wrote an article before the trade deadline. It was either him or Whit Merrifield. I was mm -hmm. leaning towards more Merrifield because he steals bases, right? It's that Padres dynamic that was the first half of the season. Um, but Frazier having himself a three RBI game did help, but I think you're right. And this could go somewhat on Tingler because I feel like the lineup's been inconsistent all season. But having Frazier, who is a 300 plus hitter, batting seventh is just awkward. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah I, I really, the lineup is something that frustrates me about Jason Tingler. Uh, I don't like seeing Fernando Tatis batting cleanup. Uh, in my in my opinion, your best player should hit in the first inning. And I think that if I was to set the lineup, he would be batting second. Uh, I think that second, third, and fourth are basically already done for you between uh, Tatis, Cronenworth, and Machado. Uh, I think that, that you, you leave that part of your lineup alone you could even factor in putting Grissom first and have a nice lefty, right, right, left, right, left combination. Uh, 
I, I don't know what he's doing with the lineup. I, I don't, I don't quite understand it. I, I again, though, I, I'm not in the, the locker room. I, I don't have the privilege information of talking to these guys and knowing who's banged up and who's feeling this and who's feeling that. So it's just frustrating because you look at Grisham, you know, some say he's having a down year. His OPS is still at some 69. Uh, he's hitting left-handers better than right-handers at this point. You know, he's stealing bases. He's playing gold glove out caliber outfield. Uh, I just don't see why you'd sit him at 24 years of age. This is a developmental time for him. He should be in the lineup every day. So uh, it, it's, it's, it is what it is as a Padre fan. You kind of just have to, just go with it. Uh, it's <laughs> I've been a fan of this team for a long time, and yeah. there have definitely been worse uh, seasons yeah. and worse scenarios than we're currently living through. That's so true, and it is tough because now it's 162 again, a full season, uh, much different. And I think a lot of people thought Jake Cronenworth was going to be having a down year. He's probably our most consistent uh, player, I would say, this season, uh, all season long. Uh, Cronenworth, I think, still leads the team in hits overall. Just uh, he's also that kind of gritty player that is just uh, always puts the ball in play, um, everything like that. It's fun seeing him at shortstop, but I do want to see Tatis uh, back there because that's also a reason why Manny signed. I mean, he knew that this kid Tatis was going to be so fun to watch, uh, fun to be around. They got that good vibe going together, and it's just frustrating. You can kind of see the, I think it was in Anaheim, uh, the like just the lack of emotion and smiling that Tatis had out there in center field. Yeah. 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 And the, and the fans picked up on it right away. I mean, on Twitter, he was, uh, I don't want to say burned, but a, a lot of fans were, were, were wondering where the smiling Tatis were the swag chain and, and the happy Tatis yes. was because when you're a great player like that and, and an MVP caliber player like that, you're, uh, actions and your reactions dictate the feeling of the team and, and it, he's still very young so you have to put that into perspective uh he's still learning the game he's still learning himself so uh you know you you, you look at him and you think okay this is a, a 28 20 year old superstar but it's not this is a very young player who's still learning the the minor details of the game so um we just have to be patient uh again i have to remind padre fans that there have been way worse times than we're living in right now uh i'm 45 years old i've i've seen most of it all and and i'm still very positive about this team and the future they have uh i mean in, in my estimation they're still very capable of catching fire and doing damage in the, in the playoffs and beyond this season so we just have to kind of be patient and, and hope that this team is able to put their best foot forward because at this point they're not. And, and we want that April, May and early June team back that we saw uh, in 2021. That is true. And uh, I think injuries were also a toll. Of course, yeah. Larry Rothschild was definitely a big part of that. I, I wasn't a big fan of that move either, but I'm glad he's gone. Uh, Fritz has been doing his part, especially with Blake Snell, um, who's been the ace that we were hoping for since the beginning uh, of the season, since we traded for him in late December. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think we're ready to get into the D-backs and so on and so forth. So we're about to take a little bit of a trip to three different cities. So game uh, one, the Padres were able to take a nice win. And Chris Paddock, after having an oblique injury, uh, came back, pitched four and two thirds. I'm sure he was on a pitch count, um, only gave up three hits, one earned, and had himself five strikeouts with no walks. So, uh, James, what did you see? in that whole, in that game one, at least, or just in a whole series in general, 
what the Padres did to the D-backs taking two out of three. Uh, it was nice to see Pettit come back and throw strikes and locate his fastball and, and be effective and be the pitcher that a lot of fans uh, hoped he would be. Uh, that, that particular game started off well with Tatis homering in the first inning, uh, kind of setting the tone for the team. They got uh, quick runs uh, in the first two or three innings, I believe, um, were able to hold on for the win. Uh, that series was a little frustrating because Darvish uh, had the opportunity to close out the sweep in the last game and, and was ineffective. And that at the time was, was very concerning. He since has had a positive start. Um, but you kind of wonder what's going on with him because that's, this was supposedly the ace of the staff. And uh, until his last win, he hadn't won until I, I believe mid June or something like that. So that's, it's, yeah. it's trouble for sure. Yeah, it was bad. I, I, in July, August, and even September, just because of the low amount of starts, Darvish had an ERA above six, one of those months was above seven. Um, and it could be due to the back and hip issue that he had. Um, people do think it's because of the uh, foreign substances um, <laughs> not taking advantage. Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, I just felt like Darvish's cutter was slacking a little bit. Uh, his slider was hanging more. He wasn't having that right bite, that right release point to it. Um, yeah. I mean, he so, had yeah. given up a in like eight straight games or something, something ridiculous like that, which is not what you want to see out of your ace. You, you don't want to see your ace giving up the long ball consistently. And yeah, and he was doing that. Yeah, not at all. And it is frustrating, but it's just, it's so weird seeing Snell do so well now for yeah. the most part when he didn't. And then you're seeing you Darvish struggle for when he did so well. Right. Yeah. It, they, I don't know if that's Padre luck or what, but just have not had both pitchers pitching consistently at the same time. Right. Uh, Joe Musgrove has been the the shining light on the season. I mean, he's probably been banged up at, at some point this season. He's not, he's not been himself. He's not been a hundred percent and he's gone out there every fifth day and really just performed and coming from a, from a San Diegan uh, like myself, it's awesome to see somebody who grew up rooting for this team understands the the pain that that comes with rooting for this team and and is able to perform and and uh, you know kudos to Joe Musco for sure for 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 just being the the absolute horse that he's been this year. Yeah, the most consistent pitcher, starting pitcher, um, without a doubt. Obviously, made history with the no no, and of course, won a complete game against the Angels. Just, I think Musco uh, pitch uh, mixes his pitches the best. When it comes yeah. down to it, he can throw so much, but he's not so dependent on just one or two. Uh, so you never know what you're getting out of Joe Musgrove when you're the opponent uh, in that batter's box. So, yeah, Musgrove has just been quietly the ace. And, James, I'm going to be honest, if it comes to a one-game wild card with the Dodgers or Giants, I might want Musgrove out there rather than – I know Snell's history is good against L.A. and yeah. anything like that. But I, I think if you strategize here, you got to go Musgrove. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be a tough call. I wouldn't want to make that decision. But there's, if the game is on the line, he certainly deserves a chance to right. pull it out for the Padres. Yeah. Yeah, so Arizona, uh, we were hoping we'd take all three, get the brooms out. But it is hard to do. It is Major League Baseball. I don't care if the Diamondbacks are 45 wins in um, for the season they're having, right? It's, it's tough. Uh, yeah. So the Padres took two out of three. You got to play your own game and focus on that and not your opponents. Um, and when it comes down to it, the Houston Astros, that was a big series win. Uh, I went to New York to go with a friend the other day to Yankee Stadium. Haven't seen that one. And I did for the first time. So I missed game one, which was unfortunate. Um, but 
at the same time, I think I caught myself a break. Eric Hosmer, I don't think he should go on the Twitter app anytime soon that day because he was getting slandered. Um, I just, before we get into this uh, series recap, of course, I want to get your opinion on Eric Hosmer. Uh, for me, I try to be as reasonable as I can with him. Uh, ever since he signed that contract, I wanted to give the champion, the veteran, a chance. Um, I understand the struggles, the ground ball rate, everything like that. But it's just so tough, James, because I'm so supportive of Cronenworth at first base. But at the same time, you're just wasting money putting Hosmer to the bench now because of the contract you offered him. You know, at before Hosmer signed with the Padres uh, on my podcast, I guaranteed that the San Diego Padres would not sign Eric Hosmer. Mm-hmm. AJ Preller, being who he is, <laughs> went out and did the exact opposite. Uh, I was shocked when they signed him and gave him that money. Uh, at the time, they were basically essentially bidding against themselves. The Royals were not going to bid. Uh, the Red Sox had already signed Mitch Moreland at the time and, and invested money in him. There was no one else that wanted him. Uh, I I specifically, when talking about Eric Cosmer, I specifically said that he is a good first baseman and not a great first baseman. And mm-hmm. I was concerned about the Padres paying him to be a great first baseman. Uh, you, you're looking at his, the numbers. They were up and down. Uh, the, the, you have the three gold gloves, but we all know that those are just a joke because we've seen the defense from him. Yes. Which is quite concerning. Um, you know, we talked about chemistry earlier in the year, uh, earlier in the, in the podcast. Um, and I think that the treatment of Eric Hosmer towards the trade deadline is what really sent this chemistry uh, on a downward spiral, if you ask me. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of Eric Cosmer. I, I, I will say that, but I understand that the Padres were invested in him. I understand that he is the first baseman. He wasn't going anywhere. So as a fan of this team, as a supporter of this team, you have to support Eric Cosmer. You have to wish the best from him. And I was really troubled to see that Preller had his name out in trade deadline uh, talk. And I'm sure that the clubhouse themselves were concerned uh, on that fact, because this is someone who like it or not is a leader in the clubhouse. Uh, Young players do look for him for advice. He does rule the clubhouse. I've been in there plenty of times with him in there. He does rule the clubhouse. This is one of the leaders of the clubhouse. Uh, Manny Machado is very quiet. He does not speak very much. He doesn't, control of things like Eric Hosmer does. Uh, The rumors to me sent a bad message to the clubhouse that anybody can be dealt at any time. And that's not necessarily the message you want to send during the season. Maybe during the off season, you can address things like this, but during the season, like I say, you're invested in Eric Hosmer. This is your first baseman. You're you're not going to be able to deal him away uh, the way he's playing this is your first baseman. So like it or not, you're going to have to ride it out with him. Uh, there were other issues on the team worse than the production of Eric Cosmer. You could, you could make up for his lack of offensive production elsewhere elsewhere. So um, I'm, I'm concerned about AJ Preller and the fact that he continues to treat the San Diego Padre team like a fantasy baseball team. And right. I wonder, wonder what the clubhouse is thinking and, you know, I, I don't know. We have to try to 
guess why this team is performing the way they are. And, and that's just an educated guess that I've made. I, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I do wonder how Eric Hosmer handled these rumors. Uh, he pretty much walked off and went off on Jeff Sanders of the Union Tribune uh, when he asked about these rumors. So obviously he knew about them and wasn't pleased with it. So I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's tough to construct a competitive team like the Padres have been in, in the last two years because this franchise was just in just utter turmoil and was just horrendous, to be honest, for for almost 50 years prior to A.J. Preller coming here. So I, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Hosmer? I mean, I think that the treatment of him has been a little rough. I understand he's not producing, and I, I'll be the first to say I'm not a fan of his production. I, I don't like the offense i don't like the defense i think that they could do better but i understand that he's a leader of the team and should be treated with a certain amount of respect right yeah i agree with that i think when it comes down to it i don't like his place in the lineup either you could see him batting fifth or sixth he's not that kind of power hitter of course to be doing that um i can see him realistically going towards seven eight uh in that one i mean it's just unfortunate when i remember when they signed him uh, I was like a sophomore in college and I was going ballistic. I was like, oh my goodness. I was actually kind of excited. I wasn't yeah. expecting it. And a little fun fact, the day before Manny became a Padre, I was doing a radio show at my school and I told all my friends, I'm like, Machado's going to sign with the Padres. And the next day I'm out of the shower. I go to my phone and I'm like a free agent getting all these teams towards me. Everyone's calling me and texting me saying like, oh my goodness, you were right. Um, so that's a little fun fact I want to share with you. Um, but yeah, Hosmer, going back to him. Yeah, it's just, it, it can be frustrating. I feel like when he's at the plate, when a ball goes right to him with a line drive, we, we hold our breath. And that's not a good thing. I'll admit it too. Tatis, luckily, because now in the outfield position, the game of baseball, you could say it's physical, but I think 99% of it is mental. Um, the errors that Tatis was making, I think he tried too much. I think Hosmer is just thinking too much as well when the ball comes towards him. And next thing you know, he can't react in time. Uh, so just some careless plays have really put him you know, down the toilet. And it is unfortunate. We expected bigger things. It's too big of a contract to begin with. And it, yeah, it's just... And the way Cronenworth establishes himself makes it even tougher. I'm sure he's heard that from the fans or anything like, I mean, Cronenworth, if he had to, would be a emergency catcher. I honestly think uh, he yeah. can go anywhere. Um, so it can't be easy. And I, I, I hope for the best for Hosmer, if he does stay with us in the long run, but it is a business. And if he does go, I would not skip a beat and put uh, Jake Cronenworth at first base. Yeah. You know, I think the writing is on the wall. I think that that's going to be AJ Preller's, um, Number one goal this offseason is trying to move Eric Hosmer um, without giving up too many prospects and without having to eat too much of that salary because at this point they're, they're going to have to. I mean, he's not going to take the uh, the option out at this point. Uh, the way his production has been the last uh, couple years, it's tough. You know, we saw him last year make an adjustment in his launch angle, uh, put the ball in, in, in the air a little bit more. Uh, the offensive numbers were better, but 
defensively, his his footwork around the bag is just horrible. I mean, it's always yeah. been bad. From day one, I, I saw him, and I'm, I'm well, what are you doing? You're stretching the wrong angle. You, you're you're having trouble finding the bag. I mean, this is a gold a three time, what three four time. I mean, this yeah. is it's 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 really crazy that that someone can either regress that badly or the, the gold glove is just a sham. I mean, so which, which is it? Yeah. And I'm even thinking that I understand Nola is a late bloomer. He's more of a veteran now, despite the uh, last years in the league. He's a great catcher. I like his offensive production. He, I just feel like he's got a good swing for the Padres. He can really do some damage credit to Caratini too, for taking so much uh, brunt behind the plate um, and Nola's absence. But I'm glad AJ Preller did not get rid of Luis Camposano. I'm a high, high fan of him. I'm, I'm really hoping he could be our catcher of the future. Um, he is young, of course. That was potentially in the uh, Max Scherzer trade, but that's all right because he, he would have been a rental anyway. So let's look at the bright side, right? Um, when it comes down to it, I was saying maybe you're right, though. Frazier kind of messed everything up, but. Maybe if you need Cronenworth at second, I was thinking Nola at first. And then when Camposano's, you know, actually in the majors doing well, finding a home, be behind the plate. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think Luis Camposano has a lot of maturing to do uh, defensively, a lot of maturing to do uh, in general. You know, I've covered the minor league system for a long time. Uh, I've heard from numerous pitchers in the minor leagues that they had issues throwing to him. So that's something you don't want to hear from a catcher that, you know, the catcher's number one job is to handle the pitching staff. I mean, the whole field is out in front of you. You need to be a a field general, if you will, you need to control the whole team. You need to be able to move players around and do stuff like that. But at his age, you wouldn't expect that it's, it's tough. It's something that he's just going to have to serve some time in the minor leagues. He's performing well. The, The bat is real. The bat is definitely real. He is an offensive catcher. Uh, the defense is just limiting him, limit, limiting him at this point. Um, but he has youth on his side, and and you just hope that he's able to to gain that maturity and and just kind of soak up um, what he sees from someone like a, a, a Rivas in, in AAA, a, a lifelong minor leaguer who's uh, finally made his major league debut this year. And, and you got to kind of feed off of someone like that and understand that you have a rare gift and just kind of work on the things that you need to work on and, and, and get better. And, and uh, there's a high, high likelihood that Luis Camposano is catching for this team next year. Um, Nola has been a concern that the knee injury is a concern. Yep. Um, that Mariners trade has really backfired on, on the Padres. Uh, Austin Adams is, is, is an absolute enigma. They just lost Williams uh, DFA uh, to make room on the 40 man roster. Uh, Alta Villas had uh, yeah, uh, surgery. surgery. Yep. Uh, you know, there's there's been some questionable trades that Preller's done and uh, emptying this farm system. Uh, the Indians trade of Mike Clevenger is is, is another one that's that's uh, you know I don't want to say concerning because you make so many deals sometimes you're going to lose them. Um, yeah, that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, it's it is what it is. They had forty man issues. They had they had to get rid of some of these players that, that, that just weren't going to be able to fit on the 40-man roster. So you can understand why they did it. But, I mean, you look at Cal Quantrill and how he's performed this year for Cleveland, and that's kind of exactly what the Padres needed is a young pitcher to eat up innings. Uh, you know, they dealt Lauer, they dealt Lucchese, they dealt Quantrill, they dealt Mar- Margovicius. 
those were were the young arms that were going to eat eat innings and possibly earn rotation spots in the future. And unfortunately, he he traded him. And it, it, you know, it is what it is. No one could have foreseen Adrian Morhone blowing out his elbow. Well, not nobody, because I could have pretty pretty much predicted that. <laughs> but um, you, you look at the beginning of the year. This Padre pitching staff, starting staff, looks stacked with Lamette and yep. and Morhone a very huge factor in that. And as 162 games go on, you lose players. And that's just how it is in major league baseball. You have to have depth. And I, I see a lot of fans questioning the fact that the Padres didn't have uh, a lot of young pitching talent ready to come back up. I mean, Reese near is not a highly touted prospect. He might have a chance to eat up innings in the major league level eventually. And for a couple of years, if he can, but it, it's a, it's a concern. Um, but then again, you know, you, you never would have seen Chris Paddock go down with the uh, uh, ab injury hours after the trade deadline. I mean, this this is just kind of Padre luck, if you will. And they've adjusted. Nobody wanted to see Jake Arrieta sign with the Padres, but you, you just had to eat up innings somehow. And you, the bullpen was being absolutely taxed. They couldn't have bullpen games every fifth day. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, I think a lot of fans saw this Padre team and saw their ownership spend money and put their best foot forward. And they automatically assumed that a world series title was coming. And that's not the case. I mean, look at what the Dodgers had to go through before they actually won their world series last year. They spent year after year attempted to win and it never came. It's, it's not easy. It's, it's a lot of luck is involved in it. You, and the Padres are just, uh, reaching a bad stretch right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. I think Preller was over aggressive at times for sure. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to it, you know, I, I wish too that actually, fun fact too, Mark Gavichis went to my uh, college. So I do. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I never I'm saw really him close. pitch though. Okay, yeah. I'm really close with Nick. Nick and I have uh, still exchanged texts every once in a while. He's really a great guy. I mean, uh, he awesome. went to, uh, where did he go to? Ryder University. Yes, yeah. Ryder. Yep. Right, the Bronco, right? Not the yep. Bronco. The Bronx. The Bronx. Because yeah, he, he would always tell me, I would, I would say Broncos. He's like, no, it's not Broncos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's awesome, though, that you get to uh, be able to talk to him. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it is frustrating. I was actually high on Cal Quantrill, and then they traded yes. him away. Yes. Um, I'm hoping I mean, for Clevenger, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not, not sold with the you know the uh clevenger is going to give you 15 maybe 20 starts next year and and then if he performs is probably going to walk away and and get a free deal somewhere else if i was the Padres, i wouldn't invest long term in him and and that's the sad fact i I questioned that trade when it happened because cleveland was it was in the playoff run they were looking for pitching Clevenger already had a demerit on his side from going out and taking police back out partying in, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. This is a guy who's never been healthy. This is a guy who's never thrown 200 innings. This guy who's who at last year had arm issues before the Tommy John came up. So I, you know, I, they need a pitching. He was the best pitcher available and they paid a hefty price. I mean, it, it's, the Gabriel Aris uh, is in AAA performing well for the Indians will probably make his major league debut next year. Uh, this is 21 year old infielder. Who's is going to make a mark in at yes. the major league. Uh, Owen Miller already played this year uh, has been up and down in the minors. 
Uh, Josh Naylor was performing, playing every day before he hurt his ankle and yep. his foot. We already talked about Quantrill. Uh, I mean, yeah, they gave up hedges and, get, and got rid of hedges, but it, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. It's easy to critique these trades afterwards. It's definitely hard to put your finger on it during the time. So it, it is what it is. I just would prefer AJ Preller to stay away from the Cleveland Indians. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please. And at this point, <laughs> the Mariners as well, because they they've they've gotten over on this a couple times as well. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, both of them. And credit to the Cleveland Indians for moving on from Lindor, overpaid to begin with. Um, yeah. Doesn't deserve the one million extra than uh, El Nino. So you know, yeah. but at the same time, uh, both of them and the Mariners have uh, exceeded expectations. I feel like everyone thought they were going to be bottom feeders, but you know, San Diego. I just. James, I just feel like if it wasn't for Larry Rothschild, if it wasn't for the inconsistency in the lineup cards every day, it would just be so much different. Injuries are a part of the game, yes. And it's just I, I feel like this team is lost and they don't have a set stone pathway to even a rotation. Like if you had to give me the one through five, is it Blake Snell being the ace? Is it Darvish? Is it now Musgrove? There's just so many questions up in the air with it. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty with this team. Uh, Jace Tingler is, is still a young manager, not a, not necessarily a rookie manager, but at this point, this is his rookie year as far as 162 games, as far as going through that grind. Um, he's learning about dealing with injuries, fatigue, uh, mental problems that the players are having. I mean, it, it's, just, it's not easy to motivate these millionaires to go out there and perform each and every day. It's, it's a grind to play the game of baseball. It's every single day. It's monotonous. It's, it's, it's a mental grind and he is having issues getting them to focus and, and just perform on a daily basis. And it's understandable. Um, Rothschild. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain Rothschild. I, I was, I, I don't know. AJ Perler seems to do uh, things off off the cuff, things to do things kind of just, if he has a gut feeling about it, and he'll do it. And obviously that didn't work out well. I, I still wonder where Darren Balsley is, someone who's been uh, yep. a, a factor in, in, in the developmental, the pitching side of this team for a long time. Um, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, what the future holds for this team. Um, it, it's, 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 it's baseball though, right? It's, it's difficult to predict. Yeah, it is. And that's the beauty of the sport too. Now um, I think to wrap up the show, we'll get into the uh, quickly, the final two games of the Astros. Cause uh, hello, it's Jake from rake farm uh, yeah. in that nice one. And then the two games against Anaheim and what to expect. Cause I think we actually have the pitching matchups coming up as the Padres are going to be facing the Dodgers in Dodgers stadium. So um, just, yeah, the Houston Astros series. I'm glad after losing the first one, that tough in the yeah. late innings. Uh, they took two out of three. Uh, what was your take on that? Biggest uh, accomplishments for the Padres? Yeah, it was it was tough seeing Arietta uh, go out on that first start. But he pitched well. Uh, you know, he gave up a three-run home run to Correa, which basically was the game. Um, I think, you know, my podcast uh, part, partner Dominic and I uh, recorded a show uh, that day and we had the over under on him at five uh, <laughs> so you know he, he he pitched well enough to get the win uh, it's just the offense kind of seems to be hit and miss and and I don't know if it's just the 
the way the lineup's structured or, or what, but it, you want to see more consistency from this team. We, we talked to, we alluded to the fact that they're not running, they're not stealing bases, they're not aggressive. Uh, we hopefully they can get this, this, this back because they have a tough 10 game stretch here, which is basically going to make or break the season for this team. Yeah, you are right. Luckily, Cronenworth came to the heroics. I had a feeling. I think Mark Grant was the one who said he hasn't had a home run since mid-August. And I'm like, there we go. He jinxed it in a good way. And Cronenworth, such a phenomenal steal. I mean, we all thought it would be Tommy Pham. At least I did. Now, I'm going to admit this. I've been a huge Renfro fan. Um, We're at least on video. This is going to be audio only, of course. But I wish I could show you my Hunter Renfro t-shirt. I still have. He was the man. That shouldn't have been let go. Uh, I hope he signs a big contract with Boston. I think he finally found a home there. Career year for him. But, you know, fam, it's been a tough season. He had one hot stretch. And Cronenworth, we didn't know if he was going to be a pitcher or what. And he solved our second base issues from what was going to be like Brian Dozier after Ian Kinsler. So it was pretty pathetic. But, you know, uh, it was just good to see that. Cronenworth is a guy we definitely have to think about. Uh, long-term, but just the money is also in uh, a factor in there. But, you know, I, I got to say that was exciting to see. And then Anaheim, um, I was hoping for a two-game, you know, sweep, but it didn't go like that. The Padres offense disappeared in game one, but uh, they uh, did a lot. It didn't feel like a big-time win despite scoring eight runs early. And yeah. uh, uh, Angels made it a ball game. Yeah, you know, I, I would have loved to see Snell get the win in the first game just because – the way he was pitching, but again, the offense kind of took the day off and it's, it's troubling. It really is. I mean, I, I still think about that extra inning game against the Dodgers where oh. the Padres multiple opportunities to win the game. You, you make two outs with the man on second and you win the game, a ground ball and a fly ball win the game. I know this is major league baseball. I know. Yeah. You can say hit a fly ball here and it's not as easy as it said, but at the same time, make contact. Put right. the ball in play. Right. Do what you're supposed to do. Lay down a, a squeeze. Do something. It, the Dodgers conceded that game multiple times because they just couldn't get the run in. Their run in from second when they had the chance, and, and the Padres just wouldn't go for the kill and finish the game. And it's, it's it, that game was frustrating, and and that game epitomized the the issues with the offense and that the, they've trans. They transformed from a team that was aggressive on the base pass, making things happen, into an old school Oakland A's team that's just waiting for the three run home run. Thank and you. You can't do that. You this you you just can't sit back and wait for something to happen. You have to make things happen sometimes in, in the game. You have to be aggressive. You got to put the ball in play. You you got to do hit and runs. You, you got to do you got to make the offense happen, jumpstart it, if you will. Right. And, and, it just hasn't happened recently, so it's frustrating as a, as a fan, for sure. It is, and Snell has been unhittable. I mean, he yeah. the last three starts, he's pitched at least seven innings. The career high, seven and two-thirds, came in against L.A. Despite the loss, 122 pitches. He went seven innings with a no-hitter against the D-backs where the Padres got a win. And then against Anaheim, a tough loss despite going seven innings. So you know what it feels like? It feels like we're the Mets. Whenever Jake DeGrom goes on the mound, the Mets don't know how to score. It's like they're facing yeah. Jacob DeGrom. So yeah. now it's like we're facing Blake Snell. It's, it it doesn't make sense. It's like when finally when Snell is turning it around, the Padres offense is just sitting back, pinning their ears, and waiting for the home run, like you said. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 why we love this game, right? Because it frustrates us so mm-hmm. much. 
you expect for your best pitcher to get run support. And traditionally, that seems to always be the case for for pitchers. I, I don't know if the offense just sits back and think, oh, we just got to score three today and we win. I, I don't know. I, it's, 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 it's a tough game to understand and the mental aspect of it is is just phenomenal it it mirrors life it's 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 a grind each and every day for sure it is and i think to wrap it up we'll get into the padres dodgers series that is upcoming only a three-game set before the padres head on uh the road they're going to be in la in san fran and i think they're going to be in st louis Louis, correct or they're going to be yes it's a very long road trip no off days, so I might not be doing a podcast until after those three sets are done just because it's hard for me to squeak uh, an episode in unless there's an off day. Makes it a little easier. Um, yeah. So the Padres and Dodgers have everything going. felt like yesterday it was Petco Park and Arias didn't even record an out and gave up so many runs. It felt so good um, with that. But, yeah, this is a whole different ball club right now, and the Padres are hoping to get something out of it. You're going to have Joe Musgrove, who's been our most consistent pitcher, going against Urias in game one. Uh, Urias is 16-3. and three. A record mean one, it means one thing, but it doesn't mean everything. Um, and then Musgrove, 10-8, and eight, a 2.87 ERA. Game two belongs to Chris Paddock, who is pitching better. Um, baby steps, I would say. I actually have confidence when Paddock is actually hitting the mound. And then it will be Walker Bueller, who is definitely a Cy Young candidate. And then game three, Snell and Scherzer, um, that's going to be so much fun. Uh, so, yeah, w- what are your takes on this upcoming series? What are you hoping to expect? And I'll quickly say I hope the uh, Padres don't go like nine for 101, was it, um, yeah. in their at-bats? Yeah. They're, you know, they're realistically, they're going to have to take two out of three from this team in order to continue to progress and in order to hold off the, the, the Phillies and the, and the Reds and the, the Cardinals and even the Mets that are, they're hanging back there yeah. only four and a half games back They're They're going to have to win two out of three from this team. Uh, you look at the staff that they're facing and, and it's formidable. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a battle, um, but this team and, and the Dodgers have played historic type games this whole year you're going to want to, you're going to want to check these out. These are going to be must see TV type games. Either way, I would expect them to be close. I would expect the Padres to have a chance to, to win the two out of three. And again, that's going to be necessary because you're looking at four in San Francisco and three in St. Louis right after that. And the Cardinals are only three and a half games behind you. So this 10 game series is really going to dictate the rest of the year. I, I know it's easy to say that because there's only 20 games left, but this 10 games are, are going to be huge uh, in determining whether or not this team's going to be playing uh, into mid-October and, and hopefully November. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's going to be a uh, important series, an important road trip in general. Uh, James, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I want to let you know you're welcome on anytime, and that goes for anyone. All James had to do was send me a direct message on my main Twitter, which is at DeRosaD57 and the Padres Twitter for the latest episodes and everything like that. And uh, blogs as well at Grand Padres. All you got to do is send me a DM. We'll schedule something up. Um, James, I want to thank you. Check out his stuff. Also, he's got great content, of course, gets the inside scoop literally. Um, So I'm really jealous. And uh it was great to have you on, and let's hope that we can be the good luck for the Padres going into uh, the rest of September and so on. 
Yeah, if they go ten and zero on this road trip, we're we're recording. Uh, we're recording. That's it. <laughs> well, that's it. It's going to be the James Clark and Dom DeRosa show. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, great work, man. Just keep keep up the passion. Keep it up. Uh, it's the Padres are our team to write about, a team to talk about, and they're going to be a team to talk about and write about for a long time. So, uh, congratulations on all your efforts and just keep the good work, Dominic. Yeah, thank you. You too. I'll see you guys soon. This road trip's going to be a while, but we're going to hope for the best. Um, since there's no off days, I'll probably be doing another episode after the St. Louis series with that off day. I believe going to be on a Monday. But that's all we have for you guys. Make sure to check out the podcast on any platform available. The new episode will be out soon. So excited to say that. Thank you, James, yet again. Thank you, Dominic. Have a good one, man. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Grand Slamming Padres. Check out the podcast on Twitter at Grand Padres to read the latest blogs and get the latest episodes. New episodes come out after every series.